Thanks very much. Um, I'm Duncan, if you don't know me. As, uh, as the guys introduced me, I'm one of the elders here at the Grace Church. Um, <laughs> as of about a week or so ago, so hence the, uh, the, the comments and the noises. Um, I love being here in the evening. It's so great when I can come along and, and be with you. I always find it so refreshing when we, when we worship together. And wasn't that a wonderful time, just reflecting and en- engaging with Jesus and glorifying him for who he is. And I hope we'll do a little bit more of that as we look at his word today together. All of us dislike the idea of loss. And so because we dislike the idea of loss, we make life changes and style our lives around to make sure that we don't lose much. Now, I have a confession to make. I am a hoarder. (laughs) Do I have any fellow hoarders in the room with me today? Come on, I am preaching your gospel tonight. (laughs) For you non-hoarders, how do you ever know that you will never need that thing again? This is, the, this is the main problem that I have, and this is the battle that I fight with my wife, who, if you know Hannah, you will, I'm sure, be able to imagine that she is not a hoarder at all. And the current battle that we're fighting, like, I know it's ridiculous that I keep hold of some of these things, but at the mo- so if you, like, in my youth, and when I say in my youth, just a few years ago, I, whenever like, a significant sporting event happens that meant something to me personally, in my what I would say youthful enthusiasm, Hannah would probably say failure to grow up, I would then go out the next day and buy as many newspapers as possible that, about that event so I could keep it as like a keepsake to enjoy that moment forever. And so in our, in our loft, we've got all of these old newspapers that I'm basically refusing to throw away uh, because I don't want to lose these things. That means something to me. You might be able to relate. If you're not a hoarder, you're just going to think this guy's nuts. We don't like to lose friends. And so Facebook is a good way of making us feel like we don't lose friends. No one ever, who deletes a friend on Facebook? I mean, there's maybe the occasional person. (laughs) But essentially, it's just like constantly giving the illusion that we are adding friends to our life. We don't lose friends, we only add friends. And of course, the main thing that we do not want to ever lose is money. We do not like the idea of losing money to the extent where we will pay a little bit of money, or sometimes a lot of money, each month to not lose a big amount of of money at once. That's what an insurance policy is. And because we do not like to lose money, I came across a guy in the Bible who I thought, man, this guy is very relatable. And so I thought we could look at him this evening. Uh, It's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And we are looking from verse 17, and we're going to read through it together, and then there's one particular verse which we'll spend most of our time looking at. The Gospels are the accounts of Jesus' life. This is the Gospel of Mark. This is one account of his time on earth, and this is a story of an encounter that he has with a man. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him 
and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this story is in two other accounts of Jesus' life in the, in the, the Bible. Um, and so the, the man is referred to at different points as young or rich. And so kind of commonly, this story is known as the story of the rich young man. Why is this rich young man so relatable for us? Well, because the, sto- the summary of the story is essentially this. This man runs to Jesus and falls down on his knees in devotion before Jesus, saying, what can I do? I want to give everything. I, I would do anything to become a disciple of yours, to be allowed to follow you and to, to, do, to follow your teaching. Just tell me, what do I have to do? And then the subject of money comes up, and suddenly our friend in the story is much less enthusiastic. Can you relate to that at all? <laughs> One person can. Who amongst us has not heard a talk on giving and just kind of tightened up a little bit? Just like suddenly I'm a little bit res- less receptive to the truths of the gospel today than I was yesterday. I bet none of you were thinking, man, I'm so pumped for church this evening as you're walking here, thinking, like, I don't know who's going to be speaking, but I hope they are talking about giving this evening. I've bought my wallet, I am ready to rock. It's just not how we are. Why, why is that? Well, I think that often when we look at passages like this, we, or when we think about giving, we think about it in exactly the same way that this rich young man thought about giving. He thought only about what he would lose. He thought only about loss. He could only hear Jesus' words through I will not have my great wealth anymore. There is something that I have, and Jesus is asking me to give it up. I will not have that anymore. And I think that's often how we think of giving. Like for us, I mean, this guy, it was difficult for him. He then went away sad. But for us, I mean, life's hard enough, isn't it, without having to try and think about getting through life with less money. Some of you dealing with student loans, having to live off that, some of you, first job, maybe don't have as much money as you may one day have. And there's things like rent to think about, Christmas shopping, all of those kind of things. Like We don't want to have to think about getting through life with less money. Well, what I want to do for the next 25 minutes or so is have a look at this story that on first reading does look like Jesus is just inviting this man to engage in great loss, but actually see what Jesus is really doing is inviting him to the greatest gain. And we all of everything that we are going to be looking at is found in verse 21. And that's where we're going to spend our time. So if we could have, there we go. This is, this is, this is the verse we're going to look at so you can read it as we continue to go through it. Now just imagine you're coming to Jesus totally fresh. And maybe tonight you are. Maybe this is like you don't really know much about Jesus. 
And imagine you said to him, right, just tell me the one thing I need to do. And he opens up and he says, there is just one thing that you lack. Just as it says up there, one thing you lack. Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. There is one thing, Jesus himself says, there is one thing you need to add to yourself. You lack one thing. There is one thing you do not have. And so then we're all thinking, okay, well, he's going to tell, you, tell me what this one thing is. And then he says, go and give everything that you have away. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And if you've ever read the Bible and you've ever read some of Jesus' teaching and you've ever come across something and thought, Jesus says something and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Then be encouraged. Because on first reading, a lot of what Jesus says isn't actually that easy to get to grips with. And it needs a bit of digging to see what he's really trying to say. So this man, coming to Jesus pretty fresh, doesn't really know lots about him, and he's saying he's not making any sense. And then what Jesus is asking to do is a lot. Like, go and sell everything you have and give away what you get to the poor. In some ways, you can't really blame this rich young ruler, for, rich young man, for being like, no, sorry, Jesus, like, you're not making sense, you're asking way too much, I'm out. But I think, and if we are coming to Jesus fresh and think, well, is this is what he's like, why would I listen to him? But to just hear the words of Jesus here, and just to focus on those, is to miss so much of his message. Because I skipped ahead a little bit. I cheated. I missed out those first seven or so words. I mean, just that first word, Jesus. Mark, is the, the author of this, is, is just causing us to pause, just to wait a moment, to remember who it is that's speaking these words, who it is that's communicating to this man. Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. This is Jesus who had everything. This is God himself stood before this man. Jesus who had the whole riches of the universe at his disposal and was able to enjoy them in heaven in perfect relationship with the Father, perfect relationship with the Holy Spirit, enjoying life in a secure home in heaven, no worries, no cares, just in living life to the max, having the greatest time, the fullness of joy was known in his life. I mean, I'm telling you, if you were there, if you were Jesus, you never would have left that. You never would have left it. But Jesus decides that he will. This is Jesus, God himself, who made the journey from heaven to come down to earth to stand before this man. A journey that is later on actually even described in the Bible as though he was rich, although he had everything in heaven, he had no lack, there was nothing that he could want. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor by making himself a man. 
for the sake of us and for the sake of this rich young man that he stood in front of, he decides that I will give myself, I'll empty myself, I'll give up all of the riches. He knows what it is to lose. He knows what it is to, to give everything to come and stand before this man. And he looks at him and he loves him. This word look is a, a word that means a, a searching gaze, a perceptive gaze. He sees right into this man's heart. He sees right into everything that has gone on in his life, all of his pain, all of his insecurity, all of the ways that he's messed up. I mean, he says he's kept all of these commandments since his birth. I'm not sure he's telling the truth. He sees everything about this man, everything that should disqualify him from his love. And he chooses to love him. This word love is agape. It's the highest form of love. It is the purest, most beautiful form of love. The most self-giving, I am just giving myself, I'm committing myself to you kind of love. And it's a choice. It's, it's not like Jesus was bubbling over with emotion. and just like, this is a great guy. No, he looks at him, he sees all of his mess. And he says, I am loving you. Completely undeserved and completely unconditional. You know, that is exactly how Jesus looks at us. That is his gaze. The eyes of Jesus are on us this evening. They're on you right now. And do you know what his eyes say? He loves you. They are not eyes of condemnation. They're not eyes of anger or frustration. They're not eyes of regret. They are simply eyes of love. And this absolutely has to be our starting place. This has to be how we know Jesus to be looking on us, ever loving us, ever giving himself to us, ever seeing into the darkest depths of our heart and saying, I still love you. I'm still committed to you. I'll never stop loving you. However you respond to tonight, whatever you do in the realm of giving, however much you've given before, however much you ever give, I'm going to continue to love you the same. There's nothing you can do to change that. That is how he loves us. That is how he looks on us. And this love is a total commitment to the person that is in front of him. A total commitment to this young man that Jesus is showing And it's a commitment that says, I just want the very best for you. I want want you to have a better life than you could ever imagine for yourself. You think of the best life that you can possibly imagine for yourself. I've got something so much better lined up for you, and I'm committed to giving you that life. That is what the loving gaze that Jesus is looking at this man with communicates. And so when we have that in mind, it completely changes the tone of go, sell everything, and give the money to the poor. This is an invitation for Jesus saying, I want a better life for you than you could ever imagine. Go and do this. Go and just let go of everything you've got. Come with me. See, this man wants to be happy. That's his deal. He's got money, and he thinks, that is how I'm going to be happy. 
He's an ambitious man. He wants the very best for himself. Don't you? Don't you want to be happy? Don't you want the very best for yourself? Not quite sure. <laughs> I hope you do. It's imprinted on our hearts that we would want the very best for ourselves. And that's what this man is grappling with. He wants the very best for himself. But the really sad thing is that he thinks that as he looks at Jesus and he hears Jesus saying, right, go and sell everything, what he thinks is that Jesus is trying to take from him. He sees Jesus saying, go and sell everything, and he's thinking, Jesus is trying to make my life poorer. He's trying to make it less. He's trying to make my life worse. He wants me to be less well off. And so what he does is he holds on to what he has tightly. He's like, no, I can't let go of this. Because if I let Jesus get his hands on this, I will be less well off. And the really sad thing is that what he doesn't realize is that Jesus is tapping into that very same desire to be happy and to be rich. And he's saying, look, if only you will open your hand and let go of what you have, I will give you so much more. I will show you what it really means to be happy. I will show you what it really means to be rich. I think sometimes with giving, we can fall into that kind of mindset. I don't know if you can relate. I certainly can. Of thinking, oh, Jesus is taking from me. I am just getting poorer as I continue to give. And I don't really want to do it. It's an obedient thing, but I'll faithfully do it. But have you ever thought, oh, I kind of wish that giving wasn't really part of Christianity? Kind of an awkward part of that I, don't, I really wish wasn't there, but I'll go along with it because I kind of like the rest of the stuff and there's good songs. <laughs> but I think we can think like that, can't we? We can think that giving is just, well, it's a faithful act of obedience that will, it makes me less well off, but that is not the way that Jesus Christ talks about giving at all. It's not. And in fact, this is a really important point. So we're going to zoom out a little bit. I know we said we'd stay in this first, but this is just a brief aside, because this is so important to get. Jesus doesn't talk about anything like that. That is not part of his message at all. And just to get a grasp of, to, sit, to sort of put this in context, I guess, the end of verse 23 um, introduced a concept where Jesus says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God may be something you've heard about before, may not be. Um, what Jesus is saying when he's talking about the kingdom of God is he's, he's come into the world and he's doing brand new teaching that people have never heard before. And what he's saying is, right, you currently, you all live in the kingdom of this age. The things that you can see, feel, and touch. And what he's saying to people is, this is what you know, and this is the kingdom of this age, where money is, is king, sex is king, power is king, Bieber is king, <laughs> Kim Kardashian's queen. Do you really think that this age is the best thing for you? Do you think that this is the best that's available? Do you really think this is all I've got for you? And before you answer, 
remember that the kingdom of this age is the kingdom that gave you Jedward. <laughs> Jesus is saying, look, this is not the sum of what you can have. I am coming in and I am bringing a whole new kingdom, a whole new way of thinking, a whole new value system, a whole new way of understanding who God is, which incidentally, because he's bringing in a whole new way of thinking, is why sometimes when we read his teaching, we're like, what are you saying? Because it is confusing. He's turning the whole thing on its head. And this is right in the middle of, this is right in the midst of Jesus' kingdom teaching, teaching us of what a kingdom lifestyle is meant to look like. And one of the key threads of Jesus' kingdom teaching, and there are many parts to it, but one of the key things that Jesus came to proclaim is how we, as people on earth and for eternity, can be truly happy. Do you know that Jesus wants you to be happy? Yes. <laughs> he really does. He really, really does. Jesus wants you to be happy. And that might sound trite, but he wants you to experience happiness to the full in a way that we can know, know happiness and joy in no other way other than in him and in his kingdom. If you don't believe me just standing here saying that Jesus wants you to be happy, the way that Jesus brings in his kingdom teaching in the book of Matthew is a series of statements that says, blessed are those who, blessed are those who, blessed are those who, blessed are those who. And to summarize that, it's basically saying, blessed are those who live in the kingdom of God, who follow me and choose to live my way. Do you know what that word blessed means? It means happy. It means fortunate. It means to be envied. It means you have something that people would look at and they would want. And he's saying, he, that's how he kicks off his big sermon series on the kingdom. Is I want you to know that if you follow me, you will truly know happiness. The whole of the kingdom of God teaching really is if you want your life to be better... Well, just leave everything of the kingdom of this age behind and come, follow me into my kingdom. I'll show you a whole new and whole, whole better way. And one of the ways that he talks about that is that we give money. And the way that we leave the kingdom of this age behind, if you like, is that we unhook ourselves and untether ourselves from the 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 grip of things like materialism and consumerism, where we think, if I just get this thing, and if I only land this job after university, I will be happy. And that if I've got this amount of money coming in, then I'll be satisfied. Because you don't need me to tell you that that doesn't work. You don't need me to tell you that when you get that next thing, or when you get that amount of money, that won't actually satisfy you, and it will just satisfy you for a moment, and then you'll want the next thing. But the way that we can start to unhook ourselves and untether ourselves from that kingdom is by saying, no, this money, it's not so important to me. I'll happily give it away. It's part of Jesus' kingdom teaching. So it's not about simply just cutting ourselves off from our desires. And in fact, Jesus doesn't shy away from 
using our own desires to be happy and to be rich, to call us to follow us to follow him into his kingdom. And he's doing exactly that same thing right here. At the end, you'll see he says, come, follow me. This is his call. This is him saying, come, leave everything behind, leave, that, leave everything you know behind and come and follow me. But how does he immediately proceed it? You will have treasure in heaven. He's saying you will be rich beyond your wildest dreams. You will have more than you could ever know what to do with. You'll have more than, you, than any measure that you can even imagine. You'll have even more than that. You're, you will be wealthy beyond what you could possibly hope to imagine in me if only you were to follow me. He doesn't, he, Jesus will use our own desire to be happy and rich to call us to follow him. And at this stage, you might be thinking, hang on a second. That doesn't sound like the Christian life to me. Surely being a Christian is not about enriching ourselves, making ourselves happy, doing it all for our benefit. Surely that is not the Christian message. Surely being a Christian is all about honoring God, worshipping him, following him, exalting him in our lives, magnifying him. I would say to that, what if those two things are not separate ideas? What if, in fact, they are both the same thing? What if all of the desires that we all have to be happy and for wealth are not there to be repressed and just constantly denied and switched off and told to go away but are actually there to lead us to the one in whom they will find satisfaction? What if by loosening ourselves from this age and and loosening our grip on money, not only does it honour God, and not only is it obedient to him in the way of his kingdom, but for us it isn't just loss, but actually we gain from it. Essentially, I guess my question is, what if his kingdom works? Now, at this point, some of you might be thinking that I've lost my mind. And this teaching might sound a bit, you might be feeling a bit uneasy. This is Jesus' teaching. This is actually what he says. Because the whole point of our lives is to exalt Jesus. It is to follow him. It is to magnify him, to give our everything to lifting him up and following him and choosing him above all else and him being our treasure and the one that we desire. And it's as we do that, though, as we take radical steps to do that, to fulfill what is our entire creation purpose, to be image bearers and to show the magnificence and glory of God. As we do that, he has decided that it is his good pleasure that we would have a delighted time doing it. 
that we would be truly happy, that we would feel and be richer than we could ever have thought we could be before we met him. It really is the scandalous aspect of the gospel. This is what Jesus teaches, that as we step away from the comforts and the pleasure of this age that we think satisfy us and choose him, not only are we doing what he wants us to do, but we are finding new depths of pleasure and comfort in him. These two things are totally inseparable. And so I'm afraid I've got some really bad news for you this evening. If you do want to live a life that maximizes and glorifies and honors God to the full potential of who you are and what you can do, then I'm afraid you just absolutely cannot do that without also making your life immeasurably better. I'm sorry, you just can't. You're just going to have to put up with it. You're just going to have to put up with all of the riches of Christ dwelling in your heart as you obediently follow him. You're going to have to put up with extra comfort. You're going to have to put up with extra peace. You're going to have to put up with being more joyful and happy and satisfied in him than you've ever been. Because I know you just want to be obedient to him. I know you just want to follow him. I know that's all you want. You don't want the side benefits of it. You're not interested in those. I know you. But that's, they come wholly together. That's the gospel. This might sound too good to be true. But the story of the rich young man is... It's a cautionary tale for us, really, of what it looks like when it all kind of goes a bit wrong. Because this man, all he does is he makes one decision, that I will allow my heart to be satisfied in something of this world, and I'll allow it to be fully satisfied there, and I so will say no to God. And what then happens is that he does just that. He says no to Jesus. He turns around. He rejects God. And what he does is he makes his life poorer. And the end of his story is tragic, really, but he goes away sad. And so I suppose the choice for us this evening is, do we want to go away sad? Because this is the end, this is how it ends if we do choose the things of this age. But the things of the kingdom offer so much more. And just to finish, you might be thinking, what is Jesus actually asking of me here? What does he actually want from me? Well, his invitation to each of us is, come, follow me, just as he ends this passage with. That's his actual invitation to this young man. Come, follow me. Align yourself with my kingdom. Make active decisions every day. This phrase, enter the kingdom of God, it can be misleading because it can sound like it's a one-shot, one-time deal, just do one thing and you're in and then you can forget about it. Entering the kingdom is a daily thing. Entering the kingdom is a, a choice of, I want to live a life where I'm making radical steps to follow Jesus, radical steps to, to shed myself of the things that would hold me back and choose to follow him in everything. And here we're talking about money. This coming November, 
12th and the 19th, we have two days, which are our pledge days. These are two opportunities where we as a whole church and as individuals within the church will be thinking, okay, how can we make more kingdom decisions, more radical kingdom decisions in this one area of our life? How can we say no to what, is, what we see and yes to Jesus and enjoy all of the benefits that he has and magnify his name? But if you're not part of this church, if you wouldn't call Grace Church your home, then this isn't, it's not something we'll be inviting you to do unless you really want to. This is for us who would call uh, Grace Church our family. But it's not just about setting up a standing order. It's not just about, well, Duncan hopes that he does a good enough talk that can kind of get you over the line, get you into giving. This is about a kingdom lifestyle. Giving is but just one part of it. And the whole, it comes right back to the beginning. Jesus looked at him and loved him. This must be a heart response moved by Jesus has looked right into the depths of my soul and he's chosen to love me and I see that he sees me. I I look up into his eyes and I see the one that I want to give my life to. It must be, we must be moved by him to want to do these things, to be obedient to him, to follow him. didn't know who I was looking at then. (laughs) So just the final thing that I want to leave you to reflect on, perhaps. I guess if you boil it down to its simplest component parts, this story is really Jesus just asking this man a question. Do you want to live in in this age, or do you want to come and live in my kingdom? Do you want to live in a place where It might feel like gain, and you might have things that feel a lot like they are gain, but then will only lead to loss and sadness. Or do you want to come and follow me into a place where, yes, sometimes it will feel like loss. Sometimes I'll ask you to do things that, on the face of it, will feel like you have less. But let me tell you, I promise you, you will end up with the greatest game.